0: Welcome to the Progress Your Health Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. everyone this is dr valerie davidson and thank you for joining us for another episode of the progress your health podcast i'm sitting here with my uh, co-host and husband and partner in business i don't know if that's a good thing or not but here we are with dr Mackey.
1: good morning everyone how are you doing today
0: it's a very good thing to be married and to work with your husband and have our business together i didn't mean to say that inappropriately it's a very good thing
1: yeah well that's not it wasn't very nice to say it like that Oh,
0: I'm very sorry. And not only am I sitting here with Dr. Mackey, we're also sitting here with our little Australian Shepherd, we Bob, who's always our little shadow.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's always there.
0: So if you hear a little click click in the background, that's probably his paws on the wood floor, or he's chewing on his little bony.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, he's 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 always underfoot all the time. Uh, so. Uh, this one, we're going to do a question. This one is from Linda. Uh, why don't you go ahead and read the question?
0: Sure. Sure. Okay. So we're going to do a reader question. This is from a blog post that we wrote called what is biased. And this is from Linda. Um, hello, Dr. Mackey. I hope you're well, I eat perfectly. A small amount of organic food daily, no alcohol, no smoking. I bike 40 miles a week. I'm a 51-year-old post-menopausal woman at 5'8", and I'm now 25 pounds overweight at 154 pounds. I can't lose one pound, and it looks like she also goes into her blood work here, which is great. Uh, My TSH was 1.6, free T4, 1.1, free T3, 2.6, reverse T3, 11, had very low sex hormones, hence probably the postmenopausal part, Um, recently began one milligram of biased trochee daily and 50 milligram capsule of progesterone at bedtime. My worst symptoms are water retention, bloating, and weight loss resistance. I also have aching joints and muscles. This hormone protocol does not seem to be working. I was thinking of switching to an estradiol patch.
1: Uh, well, I think there's a uh, there's a lot of things going on there. Um, for one, you know, she started one milligram of biased as a trochee. You and I are not really big fans of trochees. Trochees are kind of like a sublingual uh, f- a form of uh, hormone delivery. You kind of put it under your tongue. You're supposed to let it dissolve. Doesn't it take like like twenty minutes for those things to dissolve?
0: Yeah, I mean, I have a few patients that maybe don't absorb as well transdermally with the skin because with with estrogen. Um, you really don't want to take it orally. So a troche is one way to technically bypass the digestion. So it's like this little sublingual, um, you know, a little kind of squishy, um, kind of looks almost like, like a jello, but it's hard and you, and you put it under your tongue or put it against your cheek. And it does take, it doesn't taste great. And it does take sometimes up to 20 minutes to dissolve. People get a little bit hurried and rushed and they want to drink their coffee or eat their breakfast and they end up, chewing it up and swallowing or just swallowing it. So then it ends up being more of a digestive way of getting the estrogen rather than a sublingual way. So there's a few little issues with that. Um, but, you know, for the most part, some, some people really do like their trochees.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's not something that we, you know, like you say, that we do typically do. Uh, I think dosing wise uh, for a troche, it's probably fine uh, just because it's a troche. Uh, transdermally, it's a very low, if you're, you know, putting a cream in your skin at you know, one milligram, you might as well not even be taking it at that point. Uh, now she doesn't, uh, her symptoms, she doesn't really be, uh, seem to be complaining of too many menopausal menopausal related symptoms. No hot flashes, no night sweats, uh, not, at least she doesn't claim to have any insomnia Um, which are kind of the classic three that most women are dealing with.
0: I agree, but I want to kind of interject a little bit so that one milligram of bias, as you say, might seems like nothing. It really depends on what the... I guess the ratio of that estradiol to estriol is. So when you say biased, that's why she found our, you know, our, our blog. We were talking about what biased is. And biased is a bioidentical hormone replacement um, protocol where you combine estradiol, which is E2, with estriol, which is E3, where conventionally most doctors will do, of course, you know, the old school Premarin and Nobody uses that anymore, hopefully. and Or they'll do estradiol, which is very strong. So depending on how that one milligram is dosed out in terms of the ratio between the estradiol and the estriol can determine how strong it is.
1: Yeah, right. So a typical one that we usually start with is an 80-20 ratio, so 80% estriol. 20% 20% estradiol. Um, but when we get these questions from people, it seems like the the more common ratio that we see are people asking questions is a 50-50 ratio. So it'd be equal amounts. It'd be a half a milligram of uh, estriol and a half a milligram of estradiol. Um every any time that estradiol, you know, uh, when that uh, when that amount goes up, the side effects are, you know, are in some ways more likely at that point.
0: Yes, estradiol is the strongest form of estrogen, but it's a beautiful, est- you know, estrogen is just a beautiful hormone in general and has so much activity in the body, but estradiol can have some negative symptoms if it's a little too high. Like Dr. Mackey said, even if this was a 50-50 ratio of 0.5 milligrams estriol, 0.5 milligrams estradiol, it's still a little bit on the low side, but, but I find some women are very sensitive to that estradiol and, and they will have bloating, water and blo- bloating and water retention. That's a classic sign of, of estrogen um, symptoms. Not so much with estriol because it's so much more gentle, but estradiol will definitely cause bloating, breast tenderness, um, ankle swelling, you know, feeling like your pants are tight. So it could be a little bit that she's sensitive to that. And with that said, just to jump you know, to the end of her question is I really don't think she should switch to an estradiol patch. That is the strongest form of estrogen. And a lot of women on estradiol patches, it does work incredibly for night flashes, you know, night hot flashes, night sweats. um Definitely, an estradiol patch would work with that, but typically, for the most part, anybody on estradiol patch will put on a few pounds.
1: Yeah, isn't it like what kind of like birth control used to be like eight to twelve pounds, something like that?
0: Yeah, birth control pills don't really do that anymore, but um, of course, the old school ones do. But the estradiol patch, depending on you know the the you know the female's frame, usually you'll see you know around four to six pounds. And trust me, nobody wants to put on four to six pounds without actually earning it. So you do see that. So I would say for Linda, an estradiol patch wouldn't help her with her weight loss resistance probably make her water retention and bloating a little bit worse. And it sounds like from her, you know, from what we're looking at with her question is she's really more concerned about weight.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, she did send a kind of an addendum question to this one and said that the, the water retention had been there four years prior to the current. So the weight, the water retention has been going on even prior before she started the hormones, uh, you know, so it, uh, you know, is that related to the hormones? Which you're right, estradiol could certainly do that. Um, but, uh, you know, she even said as she was in perimenopause is when some of those symptoms really started to appear. Uh, you know, you're right, as that estradiol level increases or she switches to the patch, it's only going to make those things you know, potentially worse. The progesterone dose at 50 milligrams, I think that that might be a little bit too low. Um, but again, if she's sensitive, that goes up to 75 or 100, you know, to protect her uterus. Uh, now that could exacerbate some of that water retention.
0: So I would say if I was just, you know, looking at this, we don't know a whole lot of background here completely, but with that thyroid, that T3 level is a little bit on the low side. She doesn't have thyroid disease. She's not hypothyroid. She doesn't need thyroid medication. Her TSH is just fine. Her T4 is actually really great at 1.1. But the T3 level, sometimes when you see it, the free T3 level under 3.0, that can, you know, have a little bit of an effect on all moving parts in the body.
1: Yeah, right. You know, as we talk about metabolism, right, how how hot that metabolic fire is burning uh, to allow for, you know, um, the burning of fat. We want to see that free T3 to be at least in the threes, if not in the mid threes, if not closer to four. Uh, And this is something that you and I both see all the time. We see a reasonable TSH, uh, one and a half or less. Uh, That's because of her activity. She said she bikes 40 miles a week, uh, but now she has a low normal Uh, free T3, uh, where we want to see those numbers opposite of each other, we want to see a low normal TSH, we want to see a high normal free T3. Uh, And what she says, the first line of her her questions is I eat a perfectly small amount of organic food daily. Um, That tells me right off the bat that she's more than likely under eating. Right, so she's maybe not over exercising, but she's exercising forty miles a week. You and I are not necessarily, you know, um, bikers as a form of exercise. You like you and I like to bike as a form of recreation. I uh, wouldn't necessarily, you know, say that we do that on a regular basis as the way to, you know, we're not logging our miles uh, so to speak. So I'm not really sure, you know, forty miles on a bike on a weekly basis. Running, that would be a lot, right? That would be a tremendous amount of miles if you're running. Um, biking, you know, that seems, you and I talked about that before we started recording, and you didn't seem like that was too egregious.
0: You know, if you're doing 40 miles in that one day for that week, that could be possibly a lot, but you think, you know, 10 miles, four times, a, you know, four times a week, that actually sounds really fun yeah
1: sure i mean i
0: i that sounds really fun i wouldn't say she's over exercising which is because if you can if you over exercise that can drop your t3 level so but now i'm generalizing here but when you look at a a thyroid panel like this when you see a normal tsh a normal t4 free t4 and then a low free t3 my first thought is there's probably some caloric restriction going on and grandy you know i'm Forty seven years old. I remember the nineties. It was, hey, you know, let's drop our calories, let's skip a couple of meals and to try to lose weight. You know, that was the whole thing back then was like if I undereat, then I'll lose weight. And we all know from experience, yeah, you might lose a little weight, but then it comes right back with a few extra pounds. So now we know, sure, calories have an impact on our weight management and weight loss, but at the same time, completely reducing them is going to have a negative impact. So we don't want to just focus on calories. And it doesn't look like she's focusing on calories because she doesn't put in anything about how many calories I'm eating, how many, how, what are my macros and all that. But it, it does look like she may be under eating and trying to lose some, some weight.
1: Yeah, right. And it doesn't make any logical sense. Like it is so counterintuitive to think that you have to eat more food in order to lose weight. Um, But you and I run into this all the time. I have these conversations with patients on a regular basis, and they are all exercising. They have no problem doing the exercise piece. They all exercise diligently and consistently. um, But they all, and I'm generalizing here, but you know, um, collectively there is a, a trend to under-eat on a chronic basis. Uh, and our KCCP, the Keto Carb Cycling Program, uh, we put that together specifically to guard against the chronic under-eating. So going on a diet for weeks and weeks and months and months on end at a very specific amount of calories, she says a perfectly small amount of food, that means she's probably you know, either measuring it, weighing it out, uh, you know, she eats the same thing on a regular basis, which is fine. Um, but when people tend to eat healthy, uh, so to speak, so fruits and vegetables, lean sources of protein, uh, that is very difficult to get to what your ideal even your maintenance level of calories is on a daily basis. It's very challenging to do that. Uh, Now with this new popularity of intermittent fasting, which is reducing the frequency of your meals, uh, now the likelihood for you getting to that right amount of calories, enough calories to be able to fuel your activity and to fuel the weight loss process, uh, it's almost, it's that much more difficult to be able to get to that point.
0: And I'm sure Linda doesn't exactly want to hear this and it does sound scary. Trust me, I'm a Female too. When someone tells you, Hey, you've got to increase your calories. You've got to eat more food. You think, what? (laughs) Like you said, it sounds counterintuitive, but a lot of times when you're, and and I have women patients that'll say, I eat 1250 calories every day, you know, every single day. And that technically is a very, not a lot of calories. That's very, very low. But when you're eating the same amount of calories every single day, of course your body is gonna get adapted or habituated to it. So actually we, that's why we like to cycle a lot of those calories or cycle the macros so that the body doesn't get, get adapted or habituated to a static, you know, amount of food every day.
1: Yeah, right. The body is not designed for a static amount of food. And when it's a really low amount of food, less than 1500, uh, you know, the magic number is 1200 calories. Every woman thinks if they eat 1200 calories, they're going to lose a pound, one to two pounds a week. Uh, now that math makes some sense. Uh, it really does, but not in a, a menopausal woman's body. It just not makes sense in a menopausal woman's body because the hormones are all different than the one they were when you were 25. Uh, it just doesn't work anymore. So the strategy of how to get to that, po- uh, how to get to that point. Now uh, we can, you know, we'll be very you know gentle here, but she's five foot eight, 154 pounds. She says that she's 25 pounds overweight. Okay. So in her mind, you know, whatever the math is there, that put her at, uh, somewhere between 125 and 130 is her ideal. Uh, so I took her biometric data, took her height, her weight, her age, her activity level, and I put it into a, a calorie, uh, calorie calculator you know, that determines, they're all over the internet. You can find them uh, everywhere. They're very simple, but they're based on some mathematical equations that give you an idea of what your maintenance level of calories are. Okay. Now I will tell you these mathematical formulas are flawed and skewed. They're not perfect, um, but I put hers in at 154 pounds. She needs oh, 2,111 calories as her maintenance level of calories every day. Okay, now I put it in at a uh, uh, whatever, 100 and minus hundred uh, 125 pounds, which would be the lower end of where she wants to be, you know, give or take. And it went down to 1,907. Okay. So it only, even though that's a, over a 25 pound difference, uh, maybe like a 29 pound difference, it only went down 200 calories. Uh, the average woman needs somewhere between 2,000 to 2,600 calories on a daily basis to, you know, for, as maintenance level. Okay. Now if you're at 1500, or less on a perpetual basis, you are undereating by anywhere from 500 to 1,000 calories, your body is going to eventually uh, compensate and then that's why we start to see those thyroid numbers start to be so low because your body is trying to slow down your metabolism, which means it's slowing down your metabolic rate. If your metabolic rate slows down, you are not going to burn any fat. It just it's impossible. You are turning off the fat loss process um, by undereating on a perpetual basis.
0: Exactly. And and granted, the scale is evil. You know, one day it says one thing, the next day it says something totally different. You know, it the scale is evil. So a lot of times when we're working with women, you know, I'll I'll tell them, hey, let's not focus on the scale. So hey, you're 154 pounds right now. As we're moving along, just see where you feel comfortable at. It could be, you know, 147, it could be 144, not, you know, 127 and a half. So it's, let's, instead of focusing on the number, let's focus on the health and let's focus on how you feel. And granted, I'm sure Linda has some clothes she wants to fit into that, you know, she's not fitting into right now and she might be feeling heavy and not, you know, not quite how she wants to feel in her body and that's okay as we're working on it we get to where she feels healthy and where she feels comfortable but definitely you know when you're like dr mackey said is that math equation sounds good in theory but we have so many other moving parts metabolically in our body that that math equation isn't going to necessarily work i mean how many of you or friends that you know of have said I I downloaded this app on my phone. I'm putting in my macros and my calories and what I'm eating and how much I'm exercising and I'm actually deficient in calories and I gained weight. I hear it all the time because it's not necessarily calories in, calories out. I would say definitely Linda's having a struggle right now because that T3 is too low.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, I think that that is in some ways kind of a symptom of her strategy. Uh, And you're right. This is just a kind of repetitive. That's why we picked this one in the first place is because this is a situation. Now, granted, she's not morbidly obese at 154 pounds. I would imagine she probably looks fantastic. Uh, She wants to be under 130. Like I said, the calculator that I use said she should be between 138 and 141. Uh, I mean, she can get down to 125. That's fine. Um, uh, That's her choice. Uh, but th- you have to pick the right strategy in order to get there. Uh, and that, you know, uh, we can kind of beg to differ as far as where it, where her ideal weight should be. I did a, uh, it also calculates BMI. At 125, It put her BMI at 19. I think that's a little bit too low. Um, that's not, you know, sh- uh, BMI in the low 20s, I think is appropriate. Uh, I think at the, even at the one, uh, 154, I had her BMI at like 23.3, which is, you know, reasonable. But the closer you get to what your ideal weight really is, is, the BMI becomes not really that accurate. It's not a really good gauge of anything. As long as your BMI is under 30, um, then your risk for age related disease, like diabetes, heart disease, cancer, all that stuff goes down, you know, and you, you, it's really hard to know exactly what someone's number is supposed to be. Like you said a minute ago, maybe, you know, maybe it's more about how your clothes fit or what your pants or dress size is. Uh, cause that's really ultimately what we're trying to exercise for and lose the weight for anyways, is so we you know look and feel better in our clothes.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So I I would say you know there are like you said there's a lot of um you know there's a lot of lot to this question. I you know you know being postmenopausal, being menopausal, that does tend. Everybody knows that the metabolism goes down and that it's much easier to gain weight when you're you know fifty versus twenty five. That's you know there's such a big difference between that. So I do like the idea that she is doing some bioidentical hormones and she's actually doing the bioidentical, not any kind of you know crazy conventional ones that wouldn't be necessarily safe for her. And they're very low dose, which it's always better to start off low and work your way up. I would say with the hormones being, you know, a postmenopausal female, the progesterone, um, maybe doing some blood work, checking her progesterone, checking her estradiol levels, maybe switching that trochee over to a cream, and definitely probably splitting it up to twice a day because she says she does the trochee daily, probably once a day that biased. and the bioidentical hormones are a beautiful thing, but they have a very very short lifespan. So anytime I'm doing any kind of estrogen or biased is I always do it twice a day because really, if you put it on it. 10 o'clock at night, by 10 o'clock in the morning, pretty much most of that estrogen is out of your system. But if you do it twice a day, you can keep that, that a little bit level. One thing we had talked about with Linda earlier before, you know, um, you know, kind of looking at this question a bit is she might be a nice candidate for the rhythmic dosing, which we had talked about in a previous episode.
1: Yeah, right. Because her goal is uh, weight loss. She's fairly, she's 51. So she's fairly close to her menstrual history. It hasn't been, you know, it hasn't been 10 years. Uh, and for what she's trying to accomplish, obviously uh, she lives a very healthy, good lifestyle. Um, that's where the rhythmic dosing can be, a, you know, kind of, you know, a, ve- a very good advantage because it raises up those hormone levels. Uh, and think of estrogen as when it's in balance, estrogen is a very slimming hormone. Uh, that's why when you're 25, you weigh less than you do when you're 55, you know, because you have a lot of estrogen when you're 25. Uh, and if we can raise those levels, you know, physiologically or to physiologic levels, um, one is going to help buffer the stress of the exercise, I'm not saying that her exercise is stressful, but exercise is a stressor on the body. If you couple that with a low-calorie diet, now you're magnifying the stress of the exercise. Uh, now the you know, now the female hormones can kind of buffer some of that. So now it's just not a cortisol, you know, a cortisol party all the time.
0: Yeah, like we have talked about in other podcasts, the rhythmic dosing is essentially cycling the estrogen and the progesterone to physiological levels of that of like a 28-year-old female. That's a lot different than doing a static dose of here she is you with this biased at one point, you know, 1.0 milligrams, maybe she goes up or she splits it up or changes up the ratio. Doing a static dose and having a little higher levels of estradiol can cause puffiness and some weight gain. That's why an estradiol patch, which you put on twice a week, tends to be technically in some ways a static dose. That's why women tend to gain weight on that. But when you're cycling the estrogen and the progesterone, you don't necessarily have that same effect.
1: Yeah, right. And now her symptoms water retention, bloating, weight loss resistance. uh, Certainly, the water retention, the bloating, they could get worse from. Uh, you know, from what she's doing or changing those dose uh, and even from the rhythmic dosing. Um, However, cortisol, you know, cortisol as a, as a stress hormone could cause those exact symptoms anyways. So in some ways I think hers, because her hormone dose, she just started it. She hasn't been on them very long. The doses are relatively pretty low. She's been having the, the water retention, the bloating for quite a while, about four years, she says, uh, where that, you know, in some ways to me, that seems like it's more of a symptom of cortisol dysfunction as opposed to Um, it being related to her hormonal decline.
0: Which could also in part be why her free T3 is low. I think it's probably a little bit low because of, you know, caloric restriction or a little bit of under eating, but also high levels of just, you know, mental stress, whether it's life, family, job, you know, whatnot. Mental stress can also raise up levels of cortisol, which will then lower your free T3 levels. So like you said, addressing her cortisol will also help address that free T3 raising up, you know, changing up her dietary will probably also help address those metabolic hormones as well.
1: Yeah, right. So if this one's complicated, right, this is what uh, a lot of people that come to see us and a lot of questions we get is about this weight loss component. And believe me, you and I don't really have all the answers, right? Because everyone is different. Everyone, uh, you know, there's theories, there's philosophies, there's strategies, there's dietary approaches, this, that Uh, everyone has uh, an opinion about some of those things. Um, But you have to kind of tweak and tailor them to work, you know, to what's going to work for the individual. Uh, We're all a little bit, we're all the same in some respects, but we're also vastly different. We have, you know, very different lives and uh, sleep and stress and hormones and all those things. And the food we're eating, the food we're not eating, all those things factor into what our weight, uh, our weight management is going to be. And that, you know, that is really, you know, that is a really tough thing to do. Um, But the things that jumped out to me, I think we kind of discussed, it is a big deal going from one milligram of bias to rhythmic dosing. I I will be honest, that is a, that is a big adjustment. Um, but the ones that seem to thrive well on the rhythmic dosing, their bodies adapt to it well. uh, and it makes things like, you know, losing some weight and, you know, feeling more like yourself again, it makes some of those things a little bit more, more possible and more accomplishable. Uh, so, um, uh, do you have anything else to add or is this one, uh, can we wrap this one up for now?
0: Absolutely. No, this is, this was a great question. I just want to say thank you for, for all of you for writing in your comments and your questions. Um, we love, love that from all of our listeners and our readers. And, and honestly, Linda, you are doing great. I mean that like, you know, the weight thing, you know, a lot of us has to do with, you know, we're, we're females, we're concerned with our weight, but you know, I, I would say, you know, even just looking, Looking at what she wrote here, I'm sure she's incredibly healthy that, hey, we want to fit a little bit better into our dresses, into our clothes, but it does look like she really is on a, on a, on a good path. But just yeah. you know, a couple little tweaks here and there, yeah. like we all could do. <laughs>
1: yeah, good lifestyle in general, but trying to accomplish that goal that she wants. Now we have to. That's why I'm always encouraging you know weight re- uh, resistance training versus cardiovascular training because you're not uh, now. i now we're kind of getting back into it all over again, but uh, <laughs> it's not necessarily about trying to exercise those calories off, right? You're not going to be able to exercise the weight off. It doesn't work that way. Uh, and the more you try to exercise that weight off, the the more difficult it becomes. Like she said, she's been at this, you know. For for four years. Uh, so uh, until next time, I'm Dr. Mackey.
0: And I'm Dr. Davidson. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard
1: on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread
0: our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at ProgressYourHealth.com.